Hello, KafaroCast listeners. Uh, I'm running solo today. I think Frank's coming, actually coming into work today, but uh, he took a few days off. He had too much vacation. They're actually ready to shit can some of his paid time off. So he took last week off, and uh, this one's kind of a more of a one-man show anyway with this specific podcast. So um, I, I covered uh, not too long ago uh, arrow tuning uh, as, as, as best as I could or as simple as I could, and I got an overwhelming amount of questions on a multitude of other uh, different items, I guess. So I'm going to cover this in two parts. The first part is going to be on compounds, and then the second part will be on traditional archery. That way I don't get any hate mail from one side or the other that they didn't want to listen to it. So this is kind of a tech tip, bro science, you know, tuning um, <laughs> podcast, meaning I'm going to cover, you know, fletching jigs, the different three, four, five-inch fletches, offset helical, right helical, left helical, things like that, spine alignment, you know, indexing the knock or, or, or knock indexing as far as tuning goes, the twist of the arrow coming out of the bow and how that pertains to your, your actual setup, peep height, some issues with people dropping out of the bottom of the peep or the top, uh, knock points, tying them in, how to tie them in, uh, different things to think about on that, broadhead alignment, uh, center serving, all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to cover it for compound first. And some of it will be double tapped if you do listen to both podcasts, like the Fletching Jig. Going to be covering that twice, things like that. So first thing, I took notes over the last four or five days with the questions I've gotten. So the first thing is fletching your own arrows, fletching jigs. So what fletching jig to get? Uh, I would say the most high dollar precise is going to be the Vane Master Pro uh, from Last Chance Archery. I have a couple of those. Um, they're 300 bucks, so they're expensive. They're, they're very, very accurate. You can't really screw them up. It's not your standard fletching jig like a Bits and Burger or a Bear Paw or BPE or something. Um, it actually lays parallel to the ground. Uh, but that is a great option, but it, it's expensive. And then a Bits and Burger, BPE, like I said, Bear Paw. Bits and Burger is next up in line after the Vane Master Pro. Uh, with the Bits and Burger, you know, sometimes you have to grind the clamp down. But the, the moral of the story here, here, what I'm trying to get across is when you're going to fletch your own arrows, the biggest question is, do you do straight or offset? So straight or offset is the same clamp. It's a straight clamp, but it's angled on the arrow. And in my opinion, you don't want to ever put a straight fletch on the arrow. You want to put offset. I strongly believe for most compounds, a straight clamp is fine. That's all I ever shot. I never needed to shoot helical because that, you know, those veins are on the back or feathers are on the back of the arrow to stabilize it or, or correct it after, you know, it comes out of the bow in a layman term. So shooting an angled or offset straight clamp is my suggestion for compound guys. And, and usually I would say three inch is the most you're going to need. I usually shot two and three quarter to three inch for fletch. Now you don't, you know, as you're breaking this down, trying to figure out what you want to do, if you want to just emulate and do what a lot of guys do and shoot for fletch, you just do that. It's not going to be bad. You might get a little bit better flight out of a four compared to three fletch or vice versa, or you might be better off two and three quarter instead of three, you know, when you're tuning. But if you don't have the time, you don't have to do all the shit that we talk about on these podcasts. You will be just fine if, if you tune your arrow like I talked about in the podcast before and your bow set up correctly. You're going to be just fine throwing four, three quarter, two and three quarter or four, three inch veins on your arrow 
offset. Now, people say, do you shoot two degree, three degree offset? I have no fucking idea. I just offset it as much as I can on the arrow before the vein falls off. That's probably three degrees, maybe four, I would guess three. But I don't really care how much offset's on there. I don't have a precise amount. I just angle the clamp until the back is as far as it can go over before it won't adhere to the arrow, uh, back of the vein, and the same with the front. I just take an eyeball, look down the arrow. Now on these jigs, you can adjust the offset, you know, to the amount you want. So again, be smart about it. Look, make sure the vein's still going to stick. It's not hanging off the arrow, you know, all of that, and you're good. So my suggestion, and I can't go over obviously a podcast on fletching without video. So as far as how to set up the jig, but if you can't afford a Bitsenberger, you can't afford a Veinmaster Pro, Bear Paw, BPE, or a couple. There's an Arizona Easy Fletch, you know. I can't really tell you what's going to be best for you, but I can tell you a Veinmaster Pro, a Bitsenberger, is going to be awesome. You know, they're both going to work with the Bitsenberger. You may have to do a little bit of manufacturing to the, the actual clamp. Sometimes the clamp will touch in the front and the back and not in the middle, so you got to grind them down a little bit in the front and the back. You know, you can just take a file, a belt sander, you know, usually it's about the last inch and you just file that off a little bit so it's flat all the way across, just eyeball it. Okay, so now <laughs> getting the vein to stick. So you've got, for the compound, you, you're going to shoot. I, I always, you know, there's a lot of really good veins out there, but like I said, I usually shot four, three inch. So I've got my offset set up and the next, uh, well, before we get to having them stick, I'm jumping too far ahead, left or right helical or left or right offset. This brings up another subject. I'm trying not to bounce around here too much. Levi Morgan, love you, Levi, did a video about the arrow spinning to the right coming out of the bow or the left and having your veins align to spin to follow what an arrow is coming out naturally out of the bow. Be honest with you, I never really worried about that. The reason why, from what I have found, why it rotates to the right or left is the way the string is twisted. So if I guess if it's twisted, going from the top cam down, holding the bottom of the string twisted to the right, I think it'll rotate right coming out of the bow, and it'll rotate left going the opposite way. Now, it is, I will not deny, counterproductive to have it naturally rotate to the right and put a left offset or helical on. Having said that, I never paid attention for a long time. I knew it, what, you know, that my, my arrow may have been naturally rotating one way, but it never affected accuracy at long distance. Um, I can't say it's not going to hurt to find that out. So basically what you're doing is firing an arrow out of your bow, bear shaft, to see if it's rotating right or left. And then you, you know, match your offset accordingly. I wouldn't worry about that too much. If you're at a level of a shooter where you're listening and saying, Aaron, you're wrong, you need to worry about that, then you should worry about it. But for beginners or guys that don't really care too much, I never noticed that big of a deal at, at, um, at accuracy. Um, you know, you, you might want to, in fact, I encourage everybody to message Levi <laughs> and ask him, I don't think it's that big of a deal. It will help if you do it, but it's not that big of a deal if you don't. So which one do you go with? Well, I would just go with what you want to go with. I wouldn't stress over it. Meaning if you want to go right helical or excuse me, right offset, do that. Now, if you're shooting single bevel broadheads and you're shooting a left bevel, you got to shoot a left offset or it'll spin opposite as it hits the target. 
Most compound guys aren't going to be shooting single bevel broadheads. Some will. So your helical, your offset has to match the bevel or it'll rotate the opposite way when it hits the animal, meaning the arrow may be rotating right. And if it's the opposite bevel, it'll go completely opposite the moment it hits the animal. That's counterproductive as well. So make sure, you know, you're going to match that. But again, I wouldn't stress over any of this too much. If you want to shoot right helical, then, or excuse me, right offset, then set your bow up with right offset and fletch them the rest of your life. With a compound for years, I shot right offset. With a stick bow, I shoot left. The only reason why I did that is Rocky Mountain, when they first fletched some arrows for me, they were left. I followed along with that and just kept fletching them left. And, and that's going to be in another podcast. So again, left or right offset doesn't matter. Just make sure you do the same thing every time and go that route. Now, making them stick. Good God, I have a lot of questions about getting veins to stick and your veins fall off, you know, depending. Now, if you have, oh, a AAE Max Stealths, which I shot a lot, they take a prep pin and wipes to wipe down the shaft or the, you know, your wrap, depending. So if you're using those, don't use acetone, don't use alcohol, don't use any of that stuff. Use what the directions say. Use the wipe and the prep pin. And when you use the prep pin, I literally wipe down the base of the vein few seconds later, I put the glue on and I do all this, you know, I wipe down the arrows right ahead of time with the wipes and then the glue. I haven't had too many issues using multiple different types of glue, but use the AAE glue that they suggest if you're going to do this. And a lot of times I've seen guys like I did, I'll prep the veins ahead of time and then they all fall off. You have to prep that vein with a prep pin right before you glue it on. So if you're having some issues getting your vein to stick, read the directions. Most of the guys I've found where they're not sticking have wiped something down with acetone or alcohol that they shouldn't have. They use a prep pen on a vein they shouldn't have. Um, read the manufacturer's directions. You know, with, with the trad veins, it's totally different than a max stealth. You know, when in doubt, use the highest. Let's say you have a, you're having trouble. You're not using AAEs. You're using a different vein. Usually if, if you just clean the shaft real well with like 99 or whatever, 98% alcohol, clean the shaft well, I generally never touch the vein, put the vein on and your clamp set up correctly, you let it sit for 15 to 30 seconds, it should stick, it should not come off. If it is, I strongly suggest call the manufacturer because those, those are issues, you're probably doing something they don't recommend. This same way with gluing on components. You know, if, you, if you're using something when you're gluing on the components that's not with the manufacturer's recommendations, all your inserts and stuff are going to fall out. Generally, you know, I clean mine really, you know, really well with just clean water, uh, like with Q-tips down the shaft. Uh, when I'm doing inserts, I clean the outside of the shaft. Sometimes people will rough them up, you know, but if you're, if you're pulling your components out um, immediately, you know, talk to the manufacturer and they're going to be able to help you out the most. That probably wasn't overly helpful, but either way. The moral of the story here is I like shooting four fletch, like I said. Um, whatever jig you're using, make sure it's aligned correctly. You know, set it off set as much as you can is what I suggest for compounds. Helical doesn't hurt. I just don't think it's needed. And the reason, one of the reasons I like four fletch is indexing, meaning rotating. That gives you four options as you're tuning to rotate the arrow. And I'll go into that now as far as indexing and spine alignment. So I get a lot of questions about spine alignment and do I, do I check the spine of my arrows? And what, what it is, a spine alignment is going through every area you have, finding the easiest way to explain this. If um, there's going to be 
a section of your arrow as you go around the entire circumference of it. There's going to be a part of every one of those arrows that's stiffer going down the entire length of the shaft. That's a very rudimentary right way to explain it. But if you have a spine tester, you're going to find what that is and then you mark it. And a lot of guys will do that and or some people and match every arrow the same. So the spine is aligned with a certain fletch or vein on the arrow. So they're identical. I've never messed with that too much. I mean, I've messed with it enough to test it. I just never saw a huge, huge difference in that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, you're definitely starting to pick like fly shit out of chili doing that. Again, if you're into that stuff, definitely align your spine if you want to. One of the cool things about a four flat shaft is more than most likely whether you pay attention to or not. Let's say you fletch up a couple dozen arrows and you've got three outliers. You got three arrows that just aren't hitting in the group. More than most likely, you've got three more options than you already have to rotate your knock or your arrow on your knock in a circle. So as you can imagine, they're 90 degrees, your fletches. You just rotate it over to your next option, shoot, rotate it over the next option. Eventually, out of one of those four options you have in, in spine alignment or knock alignment or indexing, it's going to pull that arrow back into the group. Now, with cheaper arrows, spine alignment is a lot more important because inconsistencies and in circumference of the arrow, things like that, inconsistencies in spine. But with most arrows nowadays, you, you know, you're talking about a really cheap arrow for that to make a huge difference. You know, I just fletched up, oh, four dozen rampages. Um, they're a 204 shaft from Black Eagle. I didn't check the spine on any of them. I spun them all and I did all that stuff I normally do and I shot, I've shot. i shot groups with about half of them so far. At the very least, I'll, I'll fire some arrows or, or as I'm shooting arrows, I always you know, will fire them obviously before you go hunting with a broadhead on them, check consistency, check alignment. But if I've got one kind of hanging out there, an outlier that's just not hitting in the dot, you know, I'll rotate it until it does. If I can't get it to hit in the dot with a broadhead, I just keep a field tip on it and I mark it for, for practice for field tips. And, and that's not a horrible idea either. Um, you know, cause the, you know, the biggest thing you want, you know, what you're talking about the hunting thing is when that spine alignment comes into play or if you got inconsistent spine, your broad head may not hit in the same spot. Now, if you have all the time in the world, pay attention to everything I'm talking about. Some of this stuff though is really, it, it doesn't hurt to do, but your shooting ability is far from the technical side of things, if that makes any sense. So if, if you really get into it, though, doing all these things certainly doesn't hurt. Just don't know if it's that needed uh, that much. So spine alignment, you can do it. Guys used to float their arrows in a bathtub. Obviously, the heavy side would go the one way. Then you'd mark it, and then that's where you know you'd put your cock vein, things like of that nature. But it doesn't matter that much. What really matters is getting good arrows that are consistent spined arrows, and you don't have to worry about this as much. So Spine alignment and four fletch, they kind of go hand in hand in the sense if you have four fletch, you're going to align with one of the spine lines any or the spine line anyway. Hopefully that made some sense. Talk about the arrow twisting out of the bow. Again, not that big of a deal. I don't think if it's that big of a deal, figure out which way your arrow is naturally rotating out of the bow and then match your helical to that. Okay, some of the other issues I've been talking with guys about is peep height. One of the things, the closer the peep is to you, where your arrow knocks to the string. If it's, um, let's say, five and a half inches, which is really no knock height, your sight is not going to have the legs on it that it would with a higher peep height, meaning if you try to shoot over 80 yards and you have a low knock point, or excuse me, a low peep height, 
it doesn't matter what you do, no matter what, you're going to end up, you know, if you have a dial like a, a spot hog in a, with a dial on it, you're going to end up firing your arrow through your scope housing at longer distances. If you're comfortable with your knock height, or excuse me, your peep height, there's not a whole lot you're going to be able to do about that. I've had guys call me and say, hey, my buddies told me to just shoot faster arrows. Yeah, that's horrible advice. You're not going to gain that much from shooting a faster arrow. You might gain five to six yards or something but you know if your peep height's low you're fucked there's no way around it you know my i shoot with a low peep height i'm just below six inches so i've always kind of run out of juice at you know even with heavy poundage at you know 90 to 100 yards i start shooting through my my housing some bows are a little bit different so your peep height has a lot to do with how far you can shoot if it's low you're screwed if it's higher you can shoot as far as you want but other things to worry about on peep height a lot of guys was set their peep height and gals at 20 yards, which isn't a horrible idea, but you'll notice sometimes the farther you'll shoot, you'll start to drop out the bottom or in pressure situations, you'll drop out the bottom of what you're aiming at. That's because you're creeping out the bottom of your peep. Um, you might be jamming your nose in the string more. And so I always set my peep height up at 40 yards, not at 20. Now I may be jammed a little bit more into my peep at 20, and if I was shooting, a, you know, the indoor nationals, I wouldn't be setting my peep height at 40 yards. I'm only shooting 20 yards, so I'd set it up at 20. But for hunting um, or all-around shooting, I think it's a good idea to set that peep height up with you aiming at 40 yards rather than 20 because it's a happy medium. Let's say your max distance is, you know, 60 to 80. That peep height is right in the happy medium between those. Now, this is what I did. You know, some guys might hop on this, you know, when we post this up, say that's stupid, whatever. But I found that, okay, if I set my peep pipe up at 40, I'm not going to be dropping out of the bottom as much as I go farther and farther out. You know, in a perfect world, when you align your peep and your site scope housing up, your sight housing shouldn't matter no matter what if you do it right. Well, we don't live in a perfect world, so that's where things get a little screwy. Now, as we're talking about the peep height, I should have also added peep circumference. You know, as you as you dive into the rabbit hole of, of archery, a lot of guys just throw a peep in, throw a sight on, and shoot. That works, but what you want to do is have your peep match up, to the circumference of your peep match up perfectly to the circumference of your housing. So if you go home after listening to this and you draw your bow back and you have this massive gap of daylight around you know, when you're looking through your peep around your housing, that is not the most accurate. You're going to get a lot of lefts and rights, maybe highs and lows, generally lefts and rights, because you're probably not aligning your peep in your housing that well every time. So you want to match those two up so you have perfect alignment with every shot. So that peep height, like I talked about, dropping out of the bottom or coming out of the top, the peep circumference, matching that up to your housing is extremely important when you start to shoot longer distances. You know, if, if again, if it's too small, same problem. You're not going to be able to line it up perfectly. With, with spot hogs, which, which I'm a huge fan of, you've got this bright yellow-green, you know, circle, right, on your housing that helps you line up perfectly around that. And what will happen, especially when you really start getting really good at your shooting, is you're going to be just a little bit left here, a little bit right there, and you may be holding better than you're shooting, and, and, and if you're holding that well, and your groups aren't commensurate to how you're holding, you know, your, your pin's not moving that much. It's probably not always, but it could be you're not lining your peep with your housing up. And that is very important. And again, 
That's the, the circumference of it, as well as coming out, dropping out the bottom. So you'll notice with guys shooting up and downhill, that can happen. Your sight tape can be off because of dropping out the bottom of your peep or coming out the top. You know, as you get colder, different closing, body positions, everything boils down to keeping that peep and that housing centered on each other and, and matching those for more consistent groups at shorter, longer distances, especially longer or up and downhill. So very important. Match your peep up to your housing, and you can also bring your housing in and out. Now, as you dive down the rabbit hole of archery, it gets confusing. My IT guy that matched Nate, he listens to these things, and he didn't know any that archery, you know, was this confusing or could be. If you have a peep height and a, or excuse me, if you have a specific peep size, let's say three sixteenths of an inch, when you are moving your, when you are setting your bow up, if you have a dovetail bracket. I keep bringing up spot hog, but that's what I use. And you can move your your scope in and out. So you can loosen an Allen or a thumb knob and move your scope in and out or your housing in and out. You can move it in and out until it matches up with that peep. Now, the problem with that is, is if <laughs> if you've got your sight, that, that also adjusts your sight tape. So you got to make sure all that matches up before you put a sight tape on. If you put your sight tape on and all of a sudden move your housing in you know, two little depressions are out, your your sight tape is now going to be off really bad at longer distances. So you got to get the distance at full draw from your peep to your housing, get all that lined up, get every, you know, get everything dialed in before you make a, a sight tape. Otherwise you're going to be, you know, hating yourself. If you sight it in and move it later, it's going to be off and you're going to hate it. So make sure those things line up. Very important. All right. So the next thing, D loops, tying in D loops. Now there's a few different ways to do this, but Overall, when you tie basically a Prusik knot, you're tying uh, or a modified, you're tying one above your knock point and one below. You want the, um, you have a static end and a running end. So your static end is the end that's burnt. You want the burnt end away from your knock and then the, the, the running end towards your knock. And then you want one of the burnt ends facing to the right and one of the burnt ends facing to the left. So as you're looking at it, um, the burnt ends away from your knock point and the top ones, let's say, to the right. And the bottom one is away from your knock point and going to the left. Now, there's arguments of which way those go. You know, for left hand, the burnt end on top should be going left. I don't know that all of that matters. I always just, I'm right-handed. When I tied mine on, the top burnt end was above my knock and facing to the right. The bottom was was a facing to the left. Just make it consistent. Learn to tie the knot correctly and don't have knock pinch, which is part of this section. If you tie your, if you have, especially with short axle to axle bows, the V of the string at full draw is really tight and you can get knock pinch when you go to full draw, especially if you have a longer draw length and a shorter bow. So you get the D loop tied on correctly. A lot of guys will tie, take serving material and they'll tie little anchor knots above and below the knock point. Some people say, hey, just do it on the bottom. Some do it on the top. Some do it on both. And then you tie your D-loop above and below those to keep from knock pinch. It's a very good way to do it. Uh, it doesn't hurt anything. The biggest thing is you just don't want your arrow to be bouncing when you're going to full draw from knock pinch. It can be hell and Jesus to get your arrow to tune correctly because it's you've got that knock pinch it's doing inconsistent flight because of that so make sure you got a little bit of a gap between those go from there another way to do it which not that many people do anymore uh, i used to set mine up is i tied a static knock point a nail knot 
um, above, and I actually tied my my D loop together, meaning touching each other below. It causes less knock pinch when you do that. So instead of your knock going between the D loop, it actually goes above. The D loop is tied touching each other below, and then you have a nail knot above or a brass knock. I never liked using brass knocks, and that can actually. Sometimes if guys are having trouble with Aeroflight, sometimes that can fix the problem because of less knock pinch or, or whatever. But that's not a, not a bad option to do it that way as well. And how I set my bows up a lot, especially for tournaments, it works really well. The next thing that I'm getting a lot of questions on is the center serving material. This is more for trad than compound, but I get them both. If you go buy a bow, you know, and however many, 18, 22, 24 strands, I think Hoyt uses 24. I'm not sure what everybody else uses, just depends. If your knock is snapping on the center serving like holy shit tight, that can cause horrific arrow flight that you cannot control. So your knock has to snap on just tight enough that it's not, you're not forcing it on, but it's not falling off your center serving. And so if you're shooting an, I don't know, Easton G knocks or whatever F knocks, there's all these different type of knocks and they snap on too tight. You know, I've had guys try to change knocks, whatever, just reserve, learn to reserve, really learn serving material, but just go to your pro shop and have them reserve with a smaller diameter center serving material. So if you're using some like 25,000s drop to whatever it is, 18 or 19 and reserve it so your knock's not snapping on way too tight, that can be horrible to try to get to tune, especially with broadheads. So you want to make sure that knock snapping on is just tight enough to hold the arrow, not fall off, but not to where you have to force it on. It'll cause, you know, it'll help for better arrow flight. You know, serving, I've done some videos on Kafaro Cast on how to center serve. It's not a bad thing to have and learn. You can get a serving tool from 100 bucks all the way down to like 19. I've got a few. I think I've got a couple bear paws, a couple biters. I've got another one. I can't remember the name. Uh, some of them are shitty. The cheaper ones kind of suck. I'd get a mid-road one. And then, you know, as far as the different material you use, uh, there's power grip, halo, there's all kinds of different types. I usually, I actually use power grip for my center serving material. Um, and I have three different sizes. Um, and I should remember this, but I think I have, it's 18 or 19, 25 and 28 or nine. Shit, it might even be 32, but I've got multiple different sizes just to screw around with as I need to. I should probably remember all those, but I don't. Anyway, that's how you get to, you know, Rather than try to change out all your knocks, just go in and reserve the center serving your bow. Going into all this, you know, if you if you get you got left, oh, I'm tired. Left or right offset, uh, you know, for you got you got that set up for your fletches. You you're shooting three inch veins, whatever you're shooting. You've you've got everything dialed in. The knocks snapping on correctly. Okay, now people ask, do you align your broad head up with your veins? I have never done that. I mean, other than in testing, I've always you sh your bow should be tuned well enough that you just screw the broadhead on and shoot it. I've had guys argue with me with that, and hey, if you want to line them up, you know, heat up your inserts, do whatever you got to do. But I've always been able, mechanical or fixed blade, to just screw it on. So if I was shooting a four blade broadhead, the blades would line up with my you know, veins identical. And anyway, none of that shit I've ever found matters. If my bow was tuned correctly, my arrows were tuned correctly, everything was fine. I could just screw a broadhead on and shoot it. So I don't worry about aligning the blades with my veins. 
If you are worried about that, by all means, don't listen to me. Line them up. I just, I personally have always found to just be able to screw them on if your bow's tuned correctly and your arrows are. Now, one thing you do have to remember, the bigger the blade on the front of your arrow, more than most likely, the bigger the vein you're going to need to have. You know, if you're shooting mechanicals and your bow is cor tuned correctly and your arrows are tuned, you're able to shoot a smaller vein and get great arrow flight, great consistency, Bigger the broadhead, though, fixed blades, whatever, you're going to have to get, you know, bigger chicken wings on the end of your arrow. So you're going to have to start bouncing it up. If you're trying to get away with a 2.1 or some tiny little vein, shoot a fixed blade, you're probably going to drive yourself crazy. You know, add some vein length in there. You know, like I said, the three-inch uh, AAE Max Stealth. That was one of my favorite veins put four three inches on there um, that's 12 inches of vein that should be able to steer just about anything if you're doing your job and it's and it's tuned correctly and you can get away with shooting a pretty good size broadhead now the broadhead issue very rarely are you going to and, and I would be willing to call someone a liar most of the time if they say they're getting fixed blades and field points to hit or group past 80 some may be able to do it if you can shoot well enough to know, if you're a shitty shot, you really can't tell. If you can shoot well enough to know, it's not the broadhead's fault. When I say no, meaning no, the, the, the groups are inaccurate. If you're shooting something the size of a stop sign at 80 yards, it doesn't really count. But if you're keeping it in a paper plate or less at 80, uh, which is not a bad group no matter what the internet says, the broadhead isn't a bad broadhead if it's not hitting. What it's doing is wind drag. There's nothing you can do about that. It's going to shoot low with fixed blades normally compared to field points and mechanicals. So no matter how well your bow is tuned, 80 is about the max a fixed blade's going to group with a field point. If you're lucky, farther you go out, the fixed blade's just going to start dropping out the bottom because of wind drag. That's just science. You know, obviously 80 is a far shot, plenty far enough. Um, but if you're really worried about it, you're probably going to have to shoot mechanicals or you're going to have to sight in and add some pin gap at the bottom at longer distances. I hate doing that. Drives me crazy. But your broadheads, more than most likely, if everything's done correctly, your fixed blades will start dropping out the bottom at 60. Sometimes they'll make it to 80. Usually not. What you'll have to do is group with your broadheads to sight in your 60, 70, and 80-yard pins if you're shooting fixed blades. You're going to just have to drop them a little bit lower because of wind drag. Not a whole lot you can do about that. Obviously, I'm, I'm not going into all the spinning and everything else of the, the fixed blade broadheads and things of that nature. You know, this is just in a perfect world. So everything's dialed in. We got all that lined up. You're shooting out to 80. Your next issue is leveling your bow or your sight. Uh, I would strongly suggest getting a hold of Hamsky uh, and getting their tool for doing this correctly. Um, I used to do my third, second and third axis on a bright sight, I think a pro tuner. It, you mount your bow or your sight to that. Uh, you level it all out and mount it to your bow. But really your, your level changes, your second and third axis changes when you're at full draw. Um, there's a lot of videos on the Hamsky Archery website to talk about this. But what will happen is when your third axis is off, and I don't want to just watch the videos. I don't want to go into explaining all this is, You'll be level on flat ground. Your bubble will be centered. You're good. As you aim uphill, your bubble may be to the right. And then as you aim downhill, your bubble will be to the left. And that's moving your sight housing in and out rather than up and down. This really makes a big difference on uneven terrain and long distances with that second and third axis. 
So learn to do that correctly for longer distance shots. You got to make sure your third axis is correct. Or like I said, the farther uphill you go, you may shoot out the right or left, and you're going to shoot out the opposite side as you're aiming downhill. Make sure you get a sight that you can adjust that and make sure you know how. Uh, and again, the Hamski system, the videos they have, you know, take a look at that. That's a good way to do it correctly for longer distance shots. Closer doesn't matter as much. Longer distance makes a huge difference. The next one is with the uh, releases. And then I'm going to kind of finish up because I got to do another podcast. I just wanted to cover some of the basic questions here. So you got everything set up correctly, dialed and everything else, and you're shooting a wrist rocket release and you're getting a little bit of target panic. You know, I get lots of questions about going back and forth between releases. You know, if you really want to hunt with an index finger or a thumb button release, a puncher, one you can rip off, my strong suggestion is get a back tension release that you're extremely comfortable with as far as how it feels in the hand that you can practice with that hits really close or identical to your puncher or you're going to generally shoot left and right with one to the other. So you've got the one that the peep lines up the same to your face so you can anchor in the same point, but you might shoot a little bit left or right with the back tension or the hinge in comparison to your puncher. I don't think that's a horrible idea because with a, if you have a really good sight, just make two marks on your bow. That's what I did. I made a little, actually, I just carved it with my knife on, on the little marker for my hinge. And then on my, my index finger, my puncher, I had another mark. So I, you know, if I was taking the puncher out, I would just, just, just put three inches worth of clicks on and, and move it over to the mark for the puncher. And then with the, the back tension or the hinge or whatever, I would have another mark. Now, it is very important when you're figuring out which back tension or hinge you're going to use. If you're going to shoot out of the same bow and want to be able to practice with both with ease, you got to make sure the draw length or the shank of the head is going to be correct to where they both line up when you anchor. That's a big one. And so those are the ones you want to check if you go to a pro shop. You know, when you're grabbing them, make sure it, when you're when you're anchoring and getting ready to shoot that the peep height lines up. And then that way, you're just talking about some lefts and rights. Now, obviously, I went through all of this fairly quickly. I just wanted to get some ideas out there for people to think about just with all the different questions I have because I don't have time to answer them all. Again, you know, the three or four fletch, I like four because of indexing. I also got better groups with it. I always, with a compound, I had better luck with offset straight clamp, multiple different types of jigs before you buy one. Just watch the video, see which ones you like. And Strongly suggest the Vane Master Pro. Bits and Burgers, another great option. I've fletched with Bits and Burgers for the last 20 some years. Extremely bomb proof. Sometimes, you know, you got to clean them a little bit, you know, on the clamp or, or you're going to have inconsistencies. You can have some ugly fletchings when you're doing it. You know, manufacturer's instructions as far as getting veins to stick. All of that stuff is super important. You know, just make sure you're paying attention. You're reading instructions and, uh, you're not doing anything too, too kooky. Now, all this other stuff, the knock pinch and things like that, if you're just having a horrible time getting your arrow to fly, it could be the bow tune, it could be you need to put some twists in the yoke, your arrow, you know, but if in a perfect world, if everything's, your camp timing's right, everything else is correct, all that shit, and you're still having issues, you may have too tight of a knock pinch, you may have, you know, what you're not knock snapping on too tight to your center serving. These are all the things where I wanted to talk about them. 
is tuning. When people go to do that, they're having some serious issues. And I think a lot of what I just talked about is why. So either way, hopefully this was somewhat helpful. Uh, if you listen to this and you have more questions, once we put this up on the Farcast page, you know, throw down your questions. And I may knock out another one if there's enough good ones I need to retouch on. So either way, thanks for tuning in.